0: Dietrich Bonhoeffer?
1: Hello and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Lucas Stock and with me as always is... Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we explore, discuss, and grow as followers of Christ. On today's Christians of History episode, we have sort of a... I mean, it doesn't really... How do I put this? It's sort of a historic Christians of History in a way, uh, which Jens will get into, um, because today's Christian of History was also the... Inspiration for this series going back to before the Doxology podcast even existed, um, which is just how cool Dietrich Bonhoeffer is. Right. But I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, so I'm going to hand the mic over to virtually, hand it over to <laughs> Jens, to tell us all about the life and times of the... <clears throat> what's a good word? The Magnificent, the magnanimous? I don't know, but the great Dietrich Bonhoeffer. All
0: right. Yeah, so as you alluded to, um, this is sort of the guy that started it all, at least in in, uh, in my mind, because when I was a youth pastor and when I was considering those, you know, those three words, theology, liturgy, biography, when I was really trying to think about how can we incorporate all these things into the Christian life? How can we have good theology, good liturgy? So how can our heart and our hands or sorry, our, our head and our heart affect our hands, the way that we live in the world. And so when I started considering, like, who are Christians that really lived, um, you know, interesting lives that are distinct yet relatable, um, and one that jumps to the, that at, at the time that jumped to the front of my mind was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, because he was somebody who um, lived recently, I mean, he, he lived within my grandparents' lifetime. Um, he he lived in, in in Germany as we'll kind of come to find out. He he lived during the the height of the the Nazi regime, um, and so what did it look like for a Christian to live in Nazi Germany during you know the days of the Holocaust, the days of you know Hitler being in power? How did most Christians live? How did he live? Um, it was just a really interesting idea to me, especially in light of you know you know the world that we live in now. How does a Christian live faithfully in their political, government, how do they, um, you know, walk faithfully with the Lord in this world. So that's sort of like birthed Christians of history for me as a youth pastor. And so when we started doing this, I knew we'd do him eventually. Um, and so I thought today would be a good time to do it, you know, so it's, it's always relevant. So <clears throat> we'll just jump right in here now. Uh, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, as he's known, it's probably pronounced much more like eloquently in, in German, but That's the best my English can do. Uh, He was born in Prussia in 1906. Fun fact, my great-grandfather was born in uh, 1900. So were he still alive? You know, they'd be similarly aged. Kind of crazy. But he was a a German pastor. He was a theologian, a spy. Ooh. Uh, And he fervently opposed the Nazi regime. You know, we could stop there because, like, that's just, like, an overarching summary of his life. But we'll, uh, we'll dive a little bit deeper. Um, So he was the key founding member of the confessing church. If you don't know what the confessing church is, it was a movement within German Protestantism um, during the height of Nazi Germany. And it, it arose in opposition to the government sponsored efforts to unify all Protestant churches into a single pro Nazi Protestant Reich church. So if you think about like Hitler's in power, Nazis have control um, you know, they're trying to take over parts of Eastern and Western Europe and all that. Um, think of like World War II. Uh, it's not that all those guys were like Christian dudes who are really holy and like they wanted to see the church unified, uh, but they knew the power that the church had, the Protestant church had. I mean, think about things that have happened in Germany for Protestants. You know, I don't know, a reformation uh, was sort of burst there with Martin Luther. And so <clears throat> for for a, a long time and even still today, like a lot of Germans history, as far as Protestantism is very Lutheran, um, and so the the Protestants who were who were there living during that time, the the Nazi regime sort of tried to like to unify them um, as like a like I said a pro Nazi church essentially, so a, a a state church that isn't going to uh, you know really push back against what the, what the Nazis wanted to do. And so the confessing church was established in opposition to that, to be like, no, we're going to remain faithful to the Lord, not to, to Caesar, you know, more or less, or, you know, Fuhrer. Um, So uh, maybe to kind of get into the nitty gritty of his life, he, he was too young to be ordained at the age of 24. And so Bonhoeffer went to the United States in 1930 for postgraduate study and for a teaching fellowship at New York City's Union Theological Seminary. So, although Bonhoeffer found the American (laughs) seminary not up to his uh, German standards, you know, he, again, think of, like, growing up in, in, like, very Lutheran um, theological circles. When he came to America, he said this, there is no theology there, (laughs) which cracks me up as, like, an indictment to, um, you know, even till today. America, there's there's no theology there. I don't I don't fully agree with that, obviously, but I, I understand what he's saying. Um, but he still had, even though he thought this, even though he thought there was no theology here, he still had um, life changing experiences. Uh, he made friendships that would last a lifetime, or at least the rest of his life. Uh, he he became sensitive to not only social injustices uh, experienced by minorities, but also the um, ineptitude of the church to bring about integration which i think is like a really fascinating idea especially like today as we're sort of like wrestling with a lot of these things still you know 80 years later if this was 1930 this was right that's 90 no 80 90 years ago i can, I can do math i went yeah. to moody 90 you know <laughs> 90 years ago he's he's in new york city um and he he recognizes that there are injustices that are being experienced by minorities there are um, you know, racial, um, maybe, um, you know, socioeconomic injustice, whatever it might be, there are things that were going on. And he, he saw that the church was not doing a good job of of integrating, of being truly compassionate and loving. And so um, he began to sort of see things from below, like from the perspective of those who, who were suffering oppression. Um, and so regarding this issue, he once said, Quote here, one can truly speak and hear about sin and grace and the love of God, uh, which again, when we think about what's going on in our own world today, um, sin, grace, and love are words that like we should be thinking about, words that we should be using. And so later, Bonhoeffer referred to <clears throat> his impressions of studying ab- abroad as the point at which he turned from what he calls phraseology to reality. So it it, it turned from like just thoughts in my head. So like this is real. This is like th- things that I can experience, um, and so it was here in America that Bonhoeffer's faith went from you know maybe empty words to a full living and vibrant reality. So even though he thought there was no theology here, uh, it was still pretty um, instrumental in his life. Uh, but he returned to Germany not too long after uh, in in 1931, and he began teaching systematic theology at a local university, and so in 1933. Um, two days after Hitler was installed as chancellor, Bonhoeffer delivered a radio address in which he attacked Hitler and warned Germany against slipping into an idolatrous cult of the Fuhrer, uh, um, who could very well turn out to be the very Fuhrer. So, um, he's basically saying don't slip into the idolatrous cult of the leader, um, because he could very well turn out to be a misleader or a seducer somebody who's going to bring irreparable harm because if, if you know anything about world oh, war ii wow. and 1930s germany in 1933 like there was like some political upheaval and turmoil going on in germany and so like hitler sort of like snuck in as like i'm gonna sort of be the one to take lead you know kind of take control and hopefully like bring germany back to its glory and as you know over the course of the next decade that Really did not turn out very well.
1: Um, it's amazing like, how how you God. said two days after he was two <laughs> days after Hitler officially like took became like his, leader his role chancellor. That that was when like it's crazy to think compare when you think about the rest of the world, the rest of Germany. I mean, not like everybody obviously, but right. like in terms of like significant people. When you think of other world leaders. You think of the you know the church leaders who wouldn't go on in Germany to join the confessing church like to I I feel like it's it's pretty interesting how spot on <laughs> Bonhoeffer was, yeah. was about about Hitler, you know, about how Hitler ended up, you know, using his power. Um mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to like it's it's hard to imagine being it's really really hard to actually imagine being in that time and place like I don't know like imagining someone, a pastor, denouncing a newly elected or newly installed leader. Like, I don't typically feel like you know, <laughs> it's funny. Like I'm ha- I'm having trouble putting words to my thoughts because like I want to say like we see this every day. We do. You know, you can say that. For, I mean... for for better or worse, we we experience this every day. You know pastors celebrities uh you know all kinds of people but you know we'll focus in on like the church for the sake of this you know like i don't think it took two days for large groups of the church and pastors and leaders to denounce you know trump after he was elected or obama after he was elected or whoever gets elected this year you know like I don't feel like when you hear somebody say that, it doesn't usually strike that kind of thing where they're criticizing a new leader or they're criticizing um, you know, a policy as it's being debated or something. Like, um, that's not something I, I typically hear and I'm like, wow, this is a, you know, even if I agree with it, it, I guess the the possibility of it to be like a historic thing doesn't really cross my mind. Right. But like, imagine be, listening to that radio address Dietrich Bonhoeffer, local pastor, you know, warns against the dangers of uh, new Chancellor Adolf Hitler. Like, nobody, whether they liked Hitler or not, would have had any idea, like, exactly how prophetic that yeah turned out to prophetic. be. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is just, like, it's, it's remarkable to, like, try and put ourselves back in that historical context. To be like, you know, how did he, what did he see that so many other people didn't see? And what would it have been like to listen to him? I don't know. It, that's... That's fascinating. I, I've well, never heard that before. To that's, maybe add
0: some layer amazing. to it, he was cut off the air in the middle of his sentence, so not not a shock. <laughs> not a shock. Not a shocker. I mean, but it wasn't also 1943 Germany. Like this was 1933, right. and they're mm. already like, "Oop, we're cutting that." Uh, so mm. a couple years later, I guess maybe a few years later, in 1938, he learned that war was imminent. So again, 1933, Hitler is just trying to like restore balance to to germany and its, its situation to the force to the force yes uh, i mean star wars is very um uh you know it has i mean they call, they're called stormtroopers i mean come on um <laughs> but uh so he was partic- so he learned about the war and he was particularly troubled by the prospect <clears throat> excuse me i don't know what's going on with my throat uh he's just dis- d- uh troubled by the prospect of being drafted to service so at this point he's like 32, I think, if I'm doing my math right, Um, worried about having to be shipped off. Um, And so as a committed pacifist, um, you know, opposed to the Nazi regime, he could not swear an oath to Hitler, and nor could he fight in his army, Uh, though not to do so was possibly a capital offense. Uh, So he worried about the consequences that his refusing military service could have for the confessing church, as it was a move that would be frowned upon by most Christians and other churches at the time. Um, You know, it was at this point that he decided to leave for America again, though soon after arriving, he began to regret his decision. Like, I don't know how he traveled. It doesn't really say if it was by plane or boat or whatever, but like, imagine being in 1930, 1938, I guess, and being like, America, back to Germany, and like, just all over. Like, I, I would not want to be doing that. But uh, so regarding this he he said, "I have come to the conclusion that I made a mistake in coming to America. I must live through this difficult period in our national history with my people in Germany. Uh, I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. so again, he Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a sinful man, somebody who's broken, you know I haven't really talked about any of that like um those are important things that, you know, we could address, but like really what I wanted to focus on with this Christian of history in particular are are the things that he did in living in his context, the way that he thought, the way that he acted, the way that he behaved, what he did. And he's like, man, I should not have run away. I I need to be with my people. I need to fight with my people because when this is over, and it's funny that he says when this is over, when Germany is reconstructed, um, I, I would have no right to participate because I wasn't there. So I need to go back. And so, Back in Germany, again, flying all over the, the ocean, uh, Bonhoeffer was further harassed by the Nazi authorities as he was forbidden to speak in public. He was required to regularly report his activities to the police. Um, and in 1941, he was forbidden to print or publish his writings. So he's being censored. He's being um, you know pushed to the outskirts, probably ostracized as like a fanatic. And so it was in 1943 that the authorities learned about Bonhoeffer's ties to known Nazi conspirators. Uh, He was arrested and he was taken to a military prison. So after the failure of the July 20th plot on Hitler's life in 1944, And the discovery in september of 44 of secret documents relating to the conspiracy bonhoeffer was accused of association with these conspirators so that's sort of like how it all went down there was a failed assassination uh, plot on on hitler's life um and so he was transferred from the military prison in berlin uh, where he had been held for 18 months and he went to uh um, the detention cellar of the Gestapo's high security prison. And then in February of 1945, he was secretly moved to Buchenwald. Again, I'm, I'm going to be butchering about a lot of these German words, but he was moved to Buchenwald concentration camp. And finally in April of 1945, he was sent to Flossenberg concentration camp. So he's gone from prison to like cellar of a, another high security prison to one concentration camp to another over the course of you know a year and a half or so Um, and so uh, Bonhoeffer was condemned to death on April 8th 1945 without witnesses uh, records of proceedings or defense uh, in Flossenburg concentration camp so like there's like hardly any record like again no proceedings no defense no witnesses but he was sentenced to death Um, he was there um, he was executed there by, by hanging at dawn on uh, April 9th, 1945. And it was only two weeks before soldiers from the U.S. 90th and 97th infantry, infantry Divisions liberated the camp, which was three weeks before the Soviet capture of Berlin and a month before the surrender of Nazi Germany. So, like, Dietrich Bonhoeffer made it, like, just to the end, but it, 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 it wasn't enough. Um, and so... I, I, you know, I wish I would have gone a little bit more, you know, maybe in depth on some of that, like the assassination plot, because that's just really fascinating. And maybe some of the um, other things that we could learn about his time in in prison and in in concentration camps. Um, You know, I encourage you, if if, if you find that interesting, there are a lot of really good biographies, one that I won't name because it's by a dude who's a little questionable right now. Uh, He might have said that Jesus was white um you know that's all i'll say about that so don't read that one there's some other ones out there that you can read um but if you don't want to read also his biography... i've
1: i've i've heard people really heavily criticize the historical work done in that particular popular biography of him so
0: well i'm not surprised <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so if you don't want to read his biography you can check out a lot of his books he has some good ones um i'll just mention life together the Cost of Discipleship, mm-hmm. Letters and Papers from Prison. I've never read the last one. Um, I really want to. Um, but Life Together, I had to read at Moody. The Cost of Discipleship, yep. I've, I've perused. I have a copy on my shelf. I've just never read the whole thing. Um, but if you're, if you're thinking about like theology, um, how to live faithfully, I mean, Life Together is about the church. It's about what it looks like to yeah. be the the body of Christ, to live as brothers and sisters um super influential book cost of yeah. discipleship and
1: it's, and it's not very long it's easy super to read.
0: it's super short it's probably like less than 100 pages
1: yeah it's dense like it is with there's a with lot in concepts, a short but period but it's of time. really easy to read you know and kind of like read again, and again quickly right
0: <laughs> yeah um cost of discipleship especially think again think about nazi germany um I, I, I failed to mention this if you get our email and you read it like i mentioned that um dietrich bonhoeffer actually inspired me at moody to write a paper called theologians, um, under Hitler. And so the whole point of the paper was to look at, um, Nazi theologians, basically like there were, there were pastors, priests, people who were sort of giving in to the, the flow of of Nazi Germany and its regime and like how problematic that was. And then here stands Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the confessing church and what, what it truly means. Like, what is the cost of discipleship? You know, He's, he's famous for a lot of Christian writings um, in the area of, of ethics, Christian living, and at a time when many Christians were simply going with the flow or even jumping in head first, uh, Bonhoeffer took a bold stance against not only the Nazi regime, but all that it stood for, and ultimately it cost him his life, um, which is you know, something that we do not necessarily experience in, in our country. Um, our brothers and sisters all around the world face a very similar fate for taking a stance on their on their faith um, so it's kind of cool to 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 read about the life of a man who who was really just dedicated to Christ wanting to honor him wanting to be faithful to him so much so that he endured prison and concentration camps and ultimately you know giving up his life he was only I mean in 40 and 45 he would have almost been 40 so I mean he was a, he was a young man that you know could have lived much longer it would have been really interesting i mean we would never be able to know but just imagine if he had you know lasted those last couple of weeks um last couple of months and what he could have done in the reconstruction of germany and um one of those things we'll never know but i look forward to it's kind of interesting to think like seeing him in glory one day
1: yeah definitely very exciting and i really appreciate even if we're not able to cover you know everything about his life because there there is so much information he's a fairly well-known figure um he you know we have a lot of his writings that he wrote a lot of people have written about him or on him even if it's not all good it's you know there's a lot out there so it's kind of cool to zoom in a little bit and trace sort of the theme like like what you've been sharing about you know living in the in the face of our context christianly you know and right. and looking at how he did in such a challenging context that in some ways is complete even though he's so close to us in time um and even though he's you know western european which for us you know americans is pretty close culturally as well like it still feels like a different world so to foreign. imagine yeah. having you know how how are you faithful in the midst of 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 nazi germany you know like it's it's crazy to think about it and but some really amazing lessons to be learned and definitely definitely a figure that's that's always worth learning more about you know i've always found him extremely interesting even as like my my interests and my studies have like kind of taken me elsewhere i I just i i think bonhoeffer has so much to offer through his example and then also his writings too is just he's, he's such a he's such a really interesting figure um so yeah, thanks for thanks for taking us through that. Um any other like final things you, we didn't get a chance to cover that you wanted to mention or
0: I don't think so. Um yeah, definitely definitely check him out. It's 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 worth looking into his life and um his his like you said, his readings. He has some pretty short, short books, and um hopefully it'll help you
1: live faithfully in your context. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening to today's Christians of History episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast, or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, ideas for future um, episode topics, or future Christians of History that you'd like us to cover. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter that gives just updates and a heads up on um, you know the happenings of the doxology podcast as well as upcoming episodes check out logos l-o-g-o-s dot com slash doxology podcast for more information about our sponsor the um, impeccable logos bible software Um, like we said whether it's feedback whether it's criticism or whether it's ideas we'd love to hear from you So hopefully uh, we will hear from you. And if not, we'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Later.